The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Thanks so much for coming to worship with us this morning as we continue going through the book of Nehemiah week by week and verse by verse in our series we've called The God Who Builds. And as we've been looking through the series, we've seen how Nehemiah, who was the governor of Jerusalem during some very difficult times in the nation of Israel, really led them into the building work that God had for them. And from that, the theme for our series has been that God often does his greatest building at the very place of our most agonizing brokenness. And this morning, we're going to see, once Pastor comes, how we can experience God's building work through the joy that he gives us. Nehemiah chapter number 8, we're going to read verses 9 through 12 before Pastor comes. The Bible says, And Nehemiah, which is the Churshatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for this day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat, and to drink, and to send portions, and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. This morning, Pastor is going to come and preach a message, The God Who Builds Through Joy. Well, I'm excited about uh, starting this uh, sermon today from Nehemiah chapter number 8 as we work our way through the rest of the chapter in a sermon that we're simply calling The God Who Builds Through Joy. I was told in 1799 that the armies of Napoleon appeared on the heights above the town of Feldkirk, Austria. It was Easter day and the rays of the rising sun glittered on the weapons of the French as they appeared drawn up on the hills to the west of the town. Uh, The town council had been uh, brought together to consult as to what they should do with this looming attack. After much discussion and much deliberation, uh, the pastor of the church rose up and said, you know what, my brothers, it's Easter day. We've been trying to figure this out in our own strength and all of that is utterly failing. So let's turn it over to God. Let's ring the bells and have service as usual. Within moments, the streets filled with worshipers hastening to the church. The French heard the sudden ringing of the bells, and really they were surprised and alarmed, believing that the Austrian army had now arrived. They quickly began to flee, and before the bells had stopped ringing, not a Frenchman was anywhere to be seen. My friends, in the midst of our spiritual attacks, when the enemy is coming up against us, many Christians are literally giving up in defeat. And and some might ask, well, you know, where's their their strength, you know? And yet I want to ask a different question from Nehemiah chapter number 9, and that's simply this, is where is their joy? As we're going to see today from Nehemiah chapter number 9, that The joy of the Lord really is our strength. Our theme for this morning, they'll put it up on the screens, is simply this. For the believer, joy isn't simply a luxury. It is actually imperative 
to our spiritual survival. So this morning, we're going to look at three very important aspects of joy. Let's dive into our text, the middle of verse number nine. The Bible says, and he said unto the people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Notice this, mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they had heard the words of the law. Now you'll remember from last week, they had just finished completing the wall and they came together for a service, a a revival service, a a spiritual awakening service of sorts. And Ezra the uh, priest literally began to preach for seven hours straight. And the people just sat there, they listened, and as they were listening to the word being taught, they grew in their understanding as we saw last week. But one of the other things that began to happen is they began to weep. Their hearts began to get filled with sorrow. They begin to get just overburdened with what they were hearing. And so Ezra says unto them in verse number 10, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry. So what Ezra is saying here, he's saying, hey, there's going to be a time to sorrow. There's going to be a time to weep. There's going to be a time for that. But this is not that time. He says, right now, I want you to eat the fat. I want you to drink the sweet. I want you to rejoice, he says, because the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. Which leads us to our first thought this morning, if you're taking notes in your service program. And that is simply this. It's going to sound basic and elementary, but it's important. Joy is good. Joy is good. Ezra says, hey, don't weep. Ezra says, don't sorrow. He says, don't be sorry. He says, I want you to rejoice right now. He says, there is a place for rejoicing. There is a place for joy. You see, God truly does want us to come to places where we are able to enjoy our lives. The Bible says God gives us all things richly to enjoy. 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse number 17. Now, lest this get out of hand and we start defining this in our minds differently than the scriptures would have us to define it, I think it's very, very important that we distinguish between biblical joy and just kind of surface joy happiness. Because what happens with a lot of Christians is as preachers and pastors begin to talk about things like joy, people, if we're not careful, we can tend to interpret that as being happiness. So we're going to take a brief moment and uh, distinguish the difference between the two. So joy versus happiness. Joy, by definition, is an inner disposition created by the Spirit of God As you'll remember, what is one of the fruits of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the next one? Joy. All right, so joy is an inner disposition created by the Spirit of God that is not dependent on external factors. And this is really important. So when we're talking about biblical, authentic joy, it is not dependent on the circumstances around us. To explain this a little further... That is, joy is not dependent on how much money we have in a bank account. Joy is not dependent on how our health is doing. Our joy is not dependent on how our relationship with our spouse 
are with our children or with our parents is going. Joy is not anchored to any of those external factors. Now, happiness, on the other hand, is a disposition that is dependent on external factors. So when somebody says, man, I'm really happy right now, what they're saying is, man, the external factors of my life are going really well. Work is going good. My finances are doing okay. Man, I have a little extra margin for some hobbies. My spouse and kids are kind of behaving. I'm happy. Because happiness is anchored, it's founded on external factors. And so we see kind of the difference between the two. Now, it was C.S. Lewis who said this, joy cannot be contained in happy times alone. Now, this is incredibly profound because many of us might tend to believe that joy and happiness are synonyms. They're two words for the same concept. And yet what C.S. Lewis is trying to say is, you know what, joy is such a broad, profound idea that it cannot be contained within happiness alone. It's bigger and broader than happiness. I'll remind you of this, if the only time you're happy is when things are going your way, prepare to be miserable most of your life. Being joyful doesn't mean that everything has to be perfect. It means that you've decided to maintain a right spirit despite life's imperfections. I'm going to throw this next statement on the screen because I want you to kind of chew on it for a moment. Since authentic joy, and that's what we're talking about, we're trying to to differentiate between joy and, and surface happiness. Since authentic joy does not flow from circumstances... It can't be affected by circumstances. Since circumstances is not where real, authentic, pure joy comes from, that means when circumstances can't affect that joy. So, if circumstances appear to have affected your joy, then it was never truly joy you had in the first place, but rather just happiness. So there are Christians and they might say, I've really got the joy of the Lord. You know, the joy of the Lord, it's just, it's in me. I'm I'm experiencing it. And yet the reality is if circumstances come along, negative circumstances or circumstances or situations that you interpret as being negative and all of a sudden it affects, negatively influences your joy, then all that reveals is that what you are experiencing wasn't actually real joy. It was just happiness. Now, happiness isn't bad, but it's just not adequate and enough to allow you to navigate the tumultuous storms of life. You know what? All of us like to be happy. In fact, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, most of you would say, man, I really, I want to be happy. I think that's natural, but here's here's the truth. And this is what I want to try to encourage us with, is happiness is not enough to help you navigate the difficulties of life. You need something deeper. You need something more rich. You need something more whole. And what you need is literally a deep, abiding joy. So we see in our passage that joy is good. He says, don't weep right now. He says, rejoice, celebrate eat the fat, drink the sweet. This day is holy to the Lord. But I want you to see, secondly, that joy comes 
from God. Notice here in verse number 8. I'm sorry, in verse number 10. It says, For this day is holy unto the Lord, the end of verse 10. Neither be ye sorry, notice this, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. You see, joy comes from God. This is why the psalmist said in Psalm 16, verse 11, in thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand are pleasures evermore. The psalmist says here in Psalm 51, restore unto me the the joy of my salvation. You see what the psalmist recognized here is this, joy was not something that he could get from circumstances. He couldn't get joy from having more money in the bank. He couldn't secure joy by making his relationships a little bit better. You don't secure joy by trying to figure out how your circumstances can improve just a little bit more. The psalmist recognized and Ezra recognized and Nehemiah recognized that joy comes from a source that's deeper than our external circumstances. Joy comes from God. In one of his books, C.S. Lewis also said, to be truly joyful... That is authentically joyful, not just surface happy, but to be authentically joyful. A person must have a source of gladness which is not dependent on anything in this world. So let me ask you this question. What do you find in your life you tend to to found your gladness or joy upon? Or maybe we could ask it this way. What thing, when it goes wrong, what thing, when it doesn't go your way, makes you feel like you no longer have joy? Whatever that thing is for you might be what you're founding your happiness upon. Oh, I'm feeling good. Life's going great. But then if your spouse does something and all of a sudden it puts you into this emotional upheaval and all things going crazy, it might be that you're founding, you might be looking to your spouse to be your source of joy. You see, we need to come to a place where we have a source of gladness that is not dependent on how much money we have in a bank account. It is not dependent on how our relationship is going. It is not dependent upon how our health is. It is not dependent upon how our career is advancing because joy doesn't come from a career. It doesn't come from finances. It doesn't come from relationships. Joy comes from God and God alone. And so we need to learn to cultivate that joy in the Lord. As we learn to abide in Christ, John chapter number 15, as we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, as we come to a place where we're truly experiencing the presence of God, where we're practicing his presence on a moment-by-moment basis, as we're really dwelling with God, it's in that communing with God, it's as we enjoy the presence of God that we come to a place where we begin to truly experience experience the fruit of the spirit which is joy because you see joy doesn't come from external circumstances joy comes from God and it comes from God alone and yet there's a lot of Christians running around not connecting themselves to the source of joy which is an abiding relationship with the person of Jesus Christ and so we see here in this passage not only is joy good but joy comes from God 
Several years ago, um, I had the opportunity of making a visit on a gentleman who was really sick. And uh, he wasn't doing well. His health was really deteriorating. And as a pastor, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go visit this man and I'm going to be an encouragement to him. I know his health is struggling. It doesn't look really good. But I'm going to go and I'm try to be a blessing. And so I made, made my way to his house and, and uh, his kids were there. And as we made our way in the living room, I, I saw there that he was kind of on the couch in the living room. And, and, and to be honest, he didn't, he didn't look well, physically speaking. And yet as I began to talk to him, there was just this radiance of God, just as we would speak. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit was just all, I mean, there was joy. There was just an amazing amount of peace. As we were talking, he was sharing with me just kind of some of the reports from the doctor and it was weird. It was like this, this weird anomaly because on the one hand, he's telling me all the horrible circumstances that he's going through with his health, but there's like this weird joy and there's this peace that he's experiencing. I remember that day just looking into Petey Castro's eyes and I remember thinking to myself, what, what does this guy have? And you know what it was? It was just the radiance of the Spirit of God as the fruit of the Spirit Anthony's here with us today. This was his dad. I remember when we had his service there at the other property. I remember all the folks that came to his funeral. And it was really, really obvious that he had touched a lot of lives. And it, it wasn't because everything in his life was going perfect. Petey Castro came to a place where he understood, you know what? Joy does not get anchored to the fact that I have to be in perfect health where everything in my life has to be going a particular way. He understood that true joy has a deeper source, and that source is the abiding presence of God. My friend, at any moment, you can decide to be still and know that he is God. When the kids are going crazy, when you're homeschooling and trying to figure out how everything's going to come together, when work is getting frustrating and overwhelming, at any moment you can be still and know that he is God. I want to challenge you with this. If, you, if you're taking notes in your service program, I'd encourage you to jot this down. Don't let your joy depend on something that you can lose. Don't anchor your joy to something that can be taken away. I feel great. Why do you feel great? I just got a raise. That's awesome. Be careful. It's okay to be happy when circumstances go your way. It's okay to be euphoric when, you know, things and circumstances in life is going the way you want them to go. But be careful that it does not lure and seduce your heart into founding your joy upon that thing. Because if you're not careful, all of a sudden you will find that you have been subtly drawn away from the only source of pure joy. And that is the abiding presence of of God. It is the only source of pure joy for the believer. So let me ask you, what is the deepest root of your joy? Is it what God gives to you or what God is to you? There's a difference. What is the deepest root of your joy? What God gives to you, his blessings, 
his goodness, man, praise God for it. There's nothing wrong with that. You just have to be careful that your heart doesn't start anchoring its joy to those blessings. Because ultimately, when your heart gets in a position, in a posture where it's doing that, you're subtly being drawn away from the very source of joy, and that is the abiding presence of God. Joy. Joy is good. Joy is from God, but let's keep reading. Notice what it says. It says, for the joy of the Lord, it's from God, is your strength. Which leads us here to our final thought this morning, and that is this. Joy gives us strength. Joy gives us strength. Doctors, physicians, nutritionists, and scientists are now beginning to realize that there is health in having a right disposition of the heart. When, when you're uh, joyful, all right? When, when you're in a positive, healthy state. But I want to remind you, the Bible's been talking about this for thousands of years. Proverbs chapter number 17, verse 22 says this, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. I'd like to remind you this morning, and you've heard it before, but I want to remind you that joy isn't just, you know, kind of a luxury for the life of a believer. For the believer, joy really is vital. It's an imperative to our spiritual survival. We need joy as the fuel to begin to continue moving through our lives. It's not a luxury. It's imperative. In order for us to have the strength to be what God has called us to be, it's going to take joy. If you're going to be the spiritual leader that God wants you to be in your home, it's going to take the joy of the Lord because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're going to be there, the worker or the employee or the employer that God would desire for you to be, it is going to take the joy of the Lord. The Bible says the joy of the Lord, that's where our strength comes from. You need that joy in order to move through the Christian life. It's not a luxury. It is absolutely vital to your Christian experience. And yet I can't tell you how many times I've met Christians and their Christian experience is just a drudgery. You would think that they would have a huge burden or backpack and they're just trying to lug it through life and the look on their face and it's just so hard and the, the duty and the drudgery of the Christian experience. And the reason for that is they, they don't have joy. Because the joy of the Lord, that's, that's where Christians get the strength to move forward. That's where the strength comes from. You, you can try, but eventually your strength will fail. You need the strength that the joy of the Lord provides and the joy of the Lord gives. You know what eventually happens is people get so burdened by trying to move through the Christian experience, move through the Christian life, and it's a duty, and it's a drudgery, and it's just a pain in the neck and ah, they can't stand it so finally what they do is they say you know what forget this and they start to live their life trying to affect the circumstances and situations of their life experience 
And now they just run around trying to organize their life in such a way as they can just make as many things comfortable as possible. I've just got to make as much money as I can. I'm just going to try to work my relationships so they just serve me and bring me pleasure. And they begin to orchestrate their life in such a way that there's a lot of these stimuli that just giving them, just giving them happiness and giving them pleasure and giving them these things. And they literally begin to structure their life in that manner. And the problem with that is this. Happiness and structuring your life where everything goes your way is not adequate to give you the strength to navigate the brokenness and the sinfulness that exists in our world today. You see, we live among broken and sinful people and just trying to organize your life and trying to navigate life so things always go your way, it can't be done. We live in a fallen world. It is a futile attempt that will never succeed. It's an illusion. It's a lie. And yet I cannot tell you how many Christian after Christian after Christian, because they tried the Christian experience and it was just too hard and it was too much of a burden and they just couldn't do it, they think, well, then I guess the other thing is just living life, you know, to be healthy, wealthy, and just happy. You know, that's, that's what life's all about. And I'm here to tell you, eventually you'll get to the point where you realize that that too is just an illusion and happiness does not have the capacity to allow you to persevere in the broken, sinful state we call this world. It's not strong enough. The only fuel, the only strength that will allow you to move forward in this life is a fuel of the Spirit of God abiding in His presence, literally experiencing Him and Him alone because in that place is joy and then the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. The joy gives us strength. So we move our way to verse number 13. The Bible says, And then on the second day, we're gathered together, the chief of the fathers of all the people. So get this, all the dads get together. There's there's something really good about this. It's, it's It's an important thing when dads begin to take the spiritual lead for their families. And if you're a father here today, I want to encourage you, be a spiritual leader. We live in a day and age where there is a dearth of fatherly leadership in our homes and in our country your kids, we, I'm not talking about demanding, oppressive dads. I'm just talking about men who are modeling with their lifestyle and mentoring with their lips the joy of the Lord, the strength that comes from God. And so these spiritual fathers here, they come together, the priests and the Levites unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. So the dads are wanting to help their families literally understand what the word of the law had to say. Verse 14, and they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. From this verse to the end of the chapter, you're going to find that they begin to celebrate the festival of the booths, which is literally the celebration that they took seven days and they would build these little almost 
little tents or these little huts, and they would go camping almost, but it was a celebration. It was a party where they would eat the fat, and they'd drink the sweet, and they'd cook up steaks, and they'd go camping. The whole thing was just to be a celebration, a reminder of the fact that God redeemed his people, that he delivered them from Egypt, and so here they come to a place, and they realize, hey, we're supposed to be celebrating. We're supposed to be worshiping. We're supposed to be rejoicing that our God is good. Our God is great. His strength and goodness and mercy is constantly upon us. And that was to bring them to a place of joy. If you're here today and you're struggling because, man, Christian experience, your Christian life's a drudgery. It's a duty. I want to encourage you to come back to worship the greatness of your God afresh and anew. Come to a place where you see God high and lifted up. Remind yourself and be thankful of what God had done in your past. Be thankful and worship all that he has done in your presence. Take the opportunity to fix your eyes on him afresh and anew. Abide with him and let the joy of the Lord abound within you and bring you a fresh and renewed strength moving forward. So we see they celebrate, they rejoice, they worship the goodness of God. They remember what God had done for them. If you're struggling with your joy, it might be that you have spiritual amnesia. You have simply forgotten the goodness of God. You've gotten so busy with lesser things that you have forgotten all the great and wondrous things that God has done for you. As we conclude, I want to remind you of this. It is not the great burdens that kill joy. Now remember, like we said at the beginning of the service, joy is not dependent on circumstances. Burdens come in the form of circumstances. Therefore, great burdens don't kill joy because the Bible says that you can have great joy even in the midst of your burdens. You can have great joy even in the midst of trials. You can have great joy even in the midst of difficulties. You can have great joy even in the midst of opposition. My friend, it's not the great burdens that kill joy. It is the subtle temptations drawing us from walking in the presence of God that ultimately take away our joy. We get so busy and so focused on a thousand things smaller than worshiping and rejoicing and thanking God for his greatness and his wonder and his mercy. And all these things slowly begin to subtly tempt us away to now we're living our lives just trying to make our circumstances and situations and everybody happy and everything I want to go my way. And we think that we should be fine if, if that's the case. And yet we find ourselves more miserable than we ever were before. Because it's not great burdens that kill joy. It's the subtle temptations drawing us away from walking in the presence of God that ultimately steals our joy. Because that is the source of joy. An abiding relationship with Jesus. An ongoing, day by day, fixing our eyes on him, worshiping him, enjoying him, practicing his presence, not just on Sundays in a church service, but every day of the week, allowing everything in creation, as Romans tells us, allowing everything in creation and everything in nature and everything in the world around us to be arrows that are constantly pointing us to the 
goodness, the greatness, and the glory of God, to allow our children to remind us of God's greatness and glory, to allow every aspect of our being to redirect our attention back to his majesty, to bring us back into a posture of worshiping him. That is where the source of joy lies. And so the enemy tries to subtly seduce us into spending our time and distracting us with a thousand things smaller than Jesus with the illusion that it'll make us happier. But ultimately, it is not adequate in giving us what we need to persevere through life. You need something deeper. You need something richer. You need the joy of the Lord. So here's the takeaway. I want to encourage you by God's grace to make the choice to rejoice by abiding in the presence of God. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.